There are many ways people listen to Vision, including DAB Plus Digital Radio. If you're in Greater Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane and have a digital radio receiver in your car or home, you'll find Vision Christian Radio on the station list. If you're visiting one of these cities and hiring a car, there's a good chance it will have a DAB receiver and you'll be able to enjoy vision with exceptional sound quality while you drive around. If you don't already own a DAB receiver, you'll find many models, including clock radios at electronic retailers for under $100. To find out more about vision on digital radio and whether you're within the broadcast footprint, see vision.org.au slash DAB. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Sunday Morning Together on Vision Christian Radio. Great to have you with us. Phil is my name. And we've got a great show coming up for you this morning as we get to, can you believe it, the end of End of April already? The year is just uh, screaming on past. Jason Perkins, otherwise known as Perco, that's very Australian. Uh, Many years has been a a camp director for Word of Life in the US, Uh, has been in pastoring and these days is actually helping others, pastors and leaders. And this morning he gets to help us too. G'day. Perco, how are you going? Good, mate. Good morning. It's it's great to be with you, mate. And... um and thanks for the opportunity yeah, to oh. just join in on a Sunday morning with everybody around Australia. I'm super excited to be here. It's great to have you come in. I always appreciate you know, people giving up their time to come in and, and minister. And mm. Should I call you Pastor Perko? You can call me whatever you like, mate. Um, <laughs> Is that true, though? It's Pastor Perko? Yeah, yeah. It's funny because a lot of people around the world I have to explain the whole Perko thing to. But it's very Australian, isn't it? Oh, it's very Australian. Obviously, here in Australia... I don't have to explain anything. As soon as people hear my last name, they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Perko. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, very good. Now, you've had a, a very interesting life. I'm uh, looking forward to hearing your story a bit later on this morning, but um, you spent quite a bit of time overseas. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a dual citizen. My mum and dad, um, they moved to Australia in the early 70s, and so they came from the US, and so I mm-hmm. grew up in this kind of dual citizen home but also, I guess, kind of a global citizen. I've lived in a few parts of the world over the years. So, yeah. How, how old were you then? I was born oh, here in Australia, oh, yeah, okay. actually. You were yeah. born here, right. So my mum and dad moved here just a couple of years before I was born. So born and raised in Australia, but travelled extensively and, and obviously raised in a home by a couple of Americans who have never lost their accent, by the way. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. Well, you haven't picked up any of it by the, no, by the no, sound of you. exactly. Yeah. How does it make them feel? Yeah, I think they sometimes wonder if I was actually adopted. No, <laughs> I don't know. No, that's not true. Yeah. Do you, you have to explain yourself when you go to America, though? Yeah. Something? Oftentimes, I have to explain myself over there. They think I sound very Australian. And over here, I have to. I tell people I have the Russell Crowe version of the accent. I just spent far too long in the states. So picked up a little bit of the American twang along the way, I guess. Fantastic. So, what does a Sunday morning normally look like for you? Yeah. So Sunday mornings for me, um, Phil, it's it's one of those things where oftentimes on a Sunday morning I'm speaking at a church around Australia or New Zealand. Um, and so my Sunday morning typically starts pretty early mm. um, with just spending some time being with Jesus. I'll talk a little bit more about that later on uh, this morning. But, yeah, I like to spend a lot of time just being with him. Mm. Um, and then I'll I'll spend a little bit of time reviewing what I'm going to be speaking on that morning as well. Mm. But primarily just trying to 
be in his presence or be aware of his presence, probably a better way to say. What does that look like for you? Yeah. A lot of silence and solitude has become a part of my rhythms. Um, I think as we'll explore a little bit later on in the show, um, we can get really busy doing for Jesus and forget that he wants us just to abide in him and be with him and Mm. everything we do for him should flow out of that being with him. And so, yeah, silence and solitude is a big part of my morning routine now. That abide word is a really interesting one. You think of the context of a branch. Yes. You you said abide with me, be grafted in those kinds of ideas. Yeah. Uh, Totally reliant on him. Mm Mm-hmm. We sometimes got to get ourselves out of the way, don't we? That's it. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Sunday morning together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Phil's my name. My guest and co-host today is Jason Perkins, or otherwise known as uh, Perko. Been in ministry for a long time, but I understand you got a, a couple of kids along with your lovely wife, um, Kristen. Yeah, we do. We actually have three kids. Um, my oldest son is Xavier. He's uh, the time of uh, us recording this. He's 22. Okay. And then I've got a daughter, Olivia, 20. And my youngest son, Miles, is 18, just about to graduate from high school. So we are uh, we're going through one of those transition seasons in our home from parenting to coaching. And now I think of myself as a bit of a consultant sometimes. <laughs> Uh, do the kids treat you as a consultant? Because I, a consultant can be fired. Well, here's the way I look at it, mate, is I've got to choose to be a consultant, which requires a lot of question asking yep. and listening and not always giving advice unless asked for the advice. Yeah. How have you handled that? Because as a parent, I know myself, you, yeah. know, you go from this stage where it's like, okay, they're old enough to make their own decisions now. I've got to pull back, but still be there for them. Yeah. I think that's, you know, that's the role of a consultant in a lot of ways, right? You. You're there for the person that you're, you're helping and you're guiding, but you're allowing them to make decisions and, and ask questions along the way. And so that's that's been a big transition for my wife and I to move into that space. And really, in a, in a lot of ways, it's releasing control, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. really allowing them to begin making their decisions and trusting that their Heavenly Father loves them mm-hmm. way more than I could ever love mm. them as their earthly father. So trusting in him in that. Mm, it's a real challenge. Mm. Something else that caught my eye yeah. that, that you're involved with, and that is the name of your church network, Yeah, the Irresistible Church Network. That's it. That is a great name. Well, it's I, I can't take credit for it. Um, really kind of borrowed the name, I guess, from a, uh, a book that came out not too long ago um, by a guy named Andy Stanley. Oh, yeah. uh, the book was entitled Irresistible. And it was uh, effectively, it's it's an, a network of churches. Our big dream is that we think every community in Australia and New Zealand should have at least a church that unchurched people find irresistible mm-hmm. and they want to engage with. We don't think every church needs to be that church, but we think every community needs at least a church that people that unchurched people find irresistible. Okay, so what makes a church irresistible? Yeah, I think. Um, there's a number of different habits or observations that I've made of churches that are irresistible to unchurched people. One of the big ones is they tend to be churches that are really for their community, um, not trying to put up you know banners of what they're against, but they're really communicating to their community, here's what we're for, yeah. and we're for you. And getting their hands dirty, like That's getting it. involved yeah. with Absolutely. stuff that's going on. Yeah, and when I say getting involved, it's it's that loving the community with no strings attached. It's not, hey, we're going to serve in the community, and we hope that you'll come to our church one day. It's literally, 
we're just here to love you and be for you mm. like Jesus was in the world, very incarnational kind of way of living. And then as you live that way, they're drawn to or it becomes irresistible to them and they want to find out what's this you know, what's the reason behind why you're doing what you're doing? It's that whole thing of letting your light shine. Yeah. You know, you, you put a light outside the dark. It doesn't take too long before the bugs come. Yes. Know? Yeah. They, find they out what's going on. on. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Well, very shortly, we're going to take communion together, and you yeah. actually get to lead this this morning. So uh, as we prepare our hearts toward communion, what's a good way we can do that? Just, you know, we've got a few minutes before we go to do that. How do we prepare ourselves? Yeah, I I oftentimes want to just ask the Holy Spirit to remind me or make me aware of his presence. You know, he's, he promises he'll never leave us or forsake us. So don't be confused. You don't come into his presence when a song is played or when you're listening to the right things. Like his presence is always there, but oftentimes we're distracted. So I want to invite you this morning to just pause, mm. be still, and ask the Spirit of God to make you aware of his presence in a very tangible way as we prepare our hearts for what he wants to do. Sunday morning together. Across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Yes, we have come to that time of the morning where we pause and we remember and we declare. That's what communion is all about. And uh, right now I'd invite you, if you have some uh, elements there that represent the body and blood of Christ, just to have them ready. And if you don't, that's okay. You might be driving or some other context. Just uh, pause as you do whatever you're doing and be part of this. Bring your heart because God is most interested in our heart more than anything else. Uh, my guest and co-host today is uh, Jason Perkins, and uh, it's over to you, mate, to lead us in communion. Yeah, thanks, mate. Well, I want to in- invite you to um, think of uh, an event that's actually coming up as we think about communion this morning, next weekend, um, the coronation of a new king. Uh, king Charles III is coming up. And I want to share with you as we go into this time of communion, a couple of things that you may not be aware of about his coronation. It's going to be a big, big deal. Um, Over 16,000 people are preparing and will be participating in the coronation. Um, There's going to be a chair that he'll sit in that's over 700 years old. It's actually been restored recently. Um, There'll be famous international musicians that'll be a part of it, including some Aussies. And um, he'll be wearing St. Edward's crown, which is worth, they're estimating, over $100 million Aussie dollars. And um, over $220 million Aussie dollars are going to be spent on the coronation. And as I think about the coronation of King Charles, I'm actually kind of reminded of the coronation of King Jesus. I don't know if you have ever thought of it this way, but when Jesus came into Jerusalem, one of his uh, first followers, a guy named Matthew, he uh, recorded the events that took place As they came into Jerusalem, Jesus actually sent a couple of them, just two of them ahead of time to go find a donkey, if you remember that part of the story, and bring the donkey so that he could ride into Jerusalem. We celebrated this event not too long ago on Palm Sunday, and I want to just compare and contrast Jesus' coronation to King Charles. You know, I said all those things that happen or are going to be happening next weekend for King Charles, and this morning as we go into a time of communion, Here's kind of the things to think about. 16,000 plus people preparing and going to be participating in the coronation of King Charles. And yet it was just two disciples that Jesus sent ahead of time to get the donkey and to prepare. And instead of uh, sitting on a 700-year-old coronation chair, Jesus rode in on the very humble back of a donkey. And the crowd that day were the ones that brought the music, not famous musicians from across the world, just the crowd. They sang, 
Hosanna, Hosanna. And instead of a very, very expensive St. Edward crown that King Charles will be wearing, our Savior wore a crown of thorns. And then Jesus, it cost him literally everything, his life. And I just want to invite us this morning as we consider the cost of what it cost him to become the king, to just remind ourselves as we maybe consider the coronation next weekend, I know many probably will be watching, the difference between that and King Jesus. King Jesus is like no other king. I'm going to introduce you to a favorite song of mine a little bit later this morning in the show called No Other King. And Jesus, he really is like no other king. And so this morning, I want to invite you now to grab that cracker or that piece of bread that you have there in in your home, or maybe you're driving along, as Phil said, just to pause and just be reminded of his body that was broken for us. Like no other king would do that. And then I want you to grab that juice or that wine, whatever it is you're using this morning, and be reminded of the blood that was shed for you on the cross. No other king would do that. He is like no other king. And so this morning, I'm going to pray for both the uh, the bread that represents his body and the juice, and thank him for being like no other king in the history of the world that would humble himself, come down, and dwell and live amongst us so that we could have a relationship with him. What an incredible sacrifice he made like no other king in the world. So why don't you join me this morning? Perhaps you want to grab the bread and the juice right now and just close your eyes and, and just I want to lead you by pausing for a moment and just allow a little bit of silence just for a moment for you to be able to consider King Jesus is like no other king and thank him for the humble sacrifice that he has made on our behalf. And then I'll invite you to take the bread and the juice in just a moment. But why don't we just pause and consider that thought for a moment and then I'll lead us in prayer. Father, thank you for this incredible, incredible sacrifice. Thank you that you are like no other king. There is no king that compares to you. And God, I thank you for the way in which you sacrificed for us so that we could have a relationship with you. And I thank you for the bread that reminds us of your broken body and the the juice that reminds us of the blood that you shed for us so that we could have a relationship with you. And as we take these now... I just pray your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. Sunday morning together together. across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. And Phil Edwards is my name. My guest and co-host this morning is uh, Jason Perkins, Pastor Perko, Mm -hmm. uh, who's got a great story and has learned a lot about what he just talked about before, soul care. I think that's going to come out as a key theme over the next hour. But let's start at the beginning. Yeah. You mentioned before you had American parents, came here in the 70s. Yeah. Where did they settle and where were you born? They went to the very big bustling city of Adelaide in the okay. in the early 70s. Yeah. So I was actually born on the north side of Adelaide. My dad was pastoring a church in Adelaide at the time and uh, was born, spent the first five years of my life there. And actually it was at a school um, at the end of my time in Adelaide that a first year school teacher uh, during this time of the year, actually, it was right around Easter. Um, she shared the Easter story with a bunch of kids in her class, and I was one of those who 
had never responded to the Easter message before. And so I remember going home after school one day there in Adelaide and saying to my mum, hey, I, I would like to invite Jesus into my life. And my mum there in our living room walked me through the process of mm. asking Jesus to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life. And it, that was the beginning of my walk with Jesus. How old were you? I was five at the time, five okay. years old, came home from school and asked my mum that question. Yeah, okay. I reckon her heart would have melted. Yeah, I'm sure. As, <laughs> and we've talked about it over the years, and I'm just so grateful for the for the courage of that first year school teacher. I found out years later that that was her first year, so she would have been what one term in yeah, the not in the that. teaching, and she had the boldness and the courage to share that with a group of kids in her classroom. So grateful. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, what was home life like for you? You got brothers, sisters? Yeah, so I'm one of three. Uh, kids and I've got an older brother and an older sister so I'm the youngest okay and um, my brother's about seven years older my sister's about three four years older than me um, growing up was a great experience for me um, just loved played a lot of sports growing up um, my brother's a great athlete much better athlete than I ever was and so we played a lot of sports together um, and my sister she's a great friend of mine even now today we don't live too far from each other which is great so had a great home life growing up my dad's always been in ministry, pastoring, mm-hmm. and my mum's always been actively involved in leadership in those churches as well. So it was just a great experience growing up as a kid. Um, yeah. So what it. about the, the teen years? And you know, often you know, pastors' kids, yeah, it can be a bit of a challenge. You yeah. know, was, was that? Were you that kid? Yeah, I wouldn't say that I was that kid that was off the rails, but I would I would say it this way: I was a bit apathetic. Okay. And it wasn't until I was in my later years of high school and actually into university that I had what I would call a kind of a come to Jesus moment. Is this going to be the thing that really is the guide and the central focus of my life? Or is this just going to be some sort of lifestyle that I live? Decision time. Mm, yeah. how, did, how did you process through that? And, and I think I know where you landed, but yeah. what happened? Yeah, I, I had the privilege of working through university with a bricklayer. I was a brickies laborer um, and probably the fittest I'd ever been in my life. And it was every smoko, so morning tea, afternoon tea, lunch, we would have conversations on the work site. And he allowed me to ask any question, didn't make me feel dumb, uh, didn't make me feel like I was asking questions I shouldn't be asking. And he really allowed me to, quite frankly, question my faith. Mm. And it was during that processing on a work site that I began to see and to understand what following Jesus on a daily basis looked like from watching his life, kind of apprenticing under him in some ways. Okay. And that Learning was, more than bricks. Yeah, absolutely. Changed, changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. yeah. And so you came to this point. Yep. Do you remember the, the time where you actually you made that decision or was it more of an unfolding? Yeah, no, it was a, it was in the late 90s. It was actually 1999. Okay. And um, I remember that year clearly it was the combination of the worksite conversations. Plus I was doing a Bible study with a group of people. Um, you may remember it one, a guy by the name of Henry Blackaby. It was called Experiencing God. Mm. And um, that along with the conversations on the worksite, that year was transformative in mm. my life. And that's when I decided – this isn't something that I just want to be a part of my life. I want it to be the focus of my life, of following Jesus. So I would say I, I came to Christ um, at an early age, but I really started following him daily in that year. Worship, conversation, prayer and teaching. This is Sunday Morning Together on Vision Christian Radio.
You said you were studying university. What were you studying? Yeah, so I was actually a PE um, t- a teacher oh, okay. back in the day. I studied phys ed because um, I loved sports so much. I thought, man, may as well just play it for a living mm. and wasn't good enough to be a professional athlete. <laughs> so why not become a PE teacher? So, yeah, studied phys ed in university. But then at the end of my university experience is when I really – kind of got serious about my walk with the Lord. And that's when I decided to go and study uh, the Bible as well. Went to Bible college because I felt this call on my life to do some sort of ministry. Didn't know what that would look like. Mm. Was that here or overseas? Yeah, studied with an organization called Word of Life here in Australia and uh, actually went on to work with them in Christian camps and conferences. Um, so they they have Christian camps and conference centers in about 85 countries around the world. And in about, I think, 30 or 40 of those, they have Bible colleges as well in those locations. Um, so got really involved with them and uh, started my ministry years with them. Mm. So that then led on, as I understand it, to a posting, if you like, or a, a yeah. position overseas yeah, back they, in the States. They're based out of upstate New York, about three hours north of New York City in what they call the Adirondack Mountains, a gorgeous part of the world. And that's where their main headquarters is globally. And so I was invited to go there and, and be a part of the leadership team over there and was actually one of the camp directors for one of their multiple sites of camping. Primarily, I led camps and conferences um, for adults and families. Okay. Um, so not youth camps like or kids camps like a lot of people think of the American so actually, summer camp. You got some sleep is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right, mate. Yeah. We had parents that were taking care of the kids at camp. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's very funny. So how did you find that experience? Because in, I guess it was in some ways a bit of a homecoming, you know, yeah. American parents. Yep. Now living in America. Yeah. Is that how it felt for you? Yeah, a little bit. I had never really – I didn't grow up in the States but had obviously a lot of American influence in my life. And so it wasn't a massive culture shock for me. Um, I actually ended up marrying an American as well. Um, so my wife, Kristen, moved to Australia when she was 15 from the US. Right. And we met over here, got married, had our first child here, and then we moved to the States. So for both of us, it wasn't a massive culture shock, but – um Man, those were great years raising our kids in that environment, in the camp and conference center environment. Our kids still rave about their experience of growing up as camp kids and, and mm. all the fun things that they got to do. What I know of you is that you seem to be an all or nothing kind of a guy. Mm. You throw yourself in. Yeah. Is that what you did there? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, I really felt this um, kind I don't know what it was. Can't pinpoint. I think it has a lot to do with our culture, but had this um, – desire to help grow the organization or grow the ministry. And so that's what happened while I was there. You know, the camp and the conference center grew, size of staff, the amount of guests that came and so on. And that became a little bit of an identity thing for me, quite frankly, was I was the guy that could grow things, whether it was an organization or a business or what have you. Um, and so, yeah, it's something I poured myself into for sure. Mm. Not always in a healthy way. What What happened? Yeah, so I, I would say I, I put all of my energy and effort into external things like growing a camp, growing a ministry, growing a church, growing a business, whatever it was. And I never really took the time to figure out, well, where where does the source of all of that external come from? Mm. And one of the things that I learned the hard way over the years is that I say it this way, the health of your internal life will eventually be revealed in your external life. It may not happen overnight. It might take years, could even take decades. But eventually, the health of your internal life is going to be revealed in your external life. And at some point, the well ran dry. Yeah. Is what I'm hearing. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, 
that was actually a little bit fast forward a few years. I was now pastoring a church in Colorado, and the church was growing. Um, some great things happening in the city as well. But internally, I was struggling big time. And mm. um, yeah, I'll never forget one night my wife and I were out on a walk around our neighborhood. I was uh, in a pretty bad state, really bad state. I remember snapping my glasses, throwing them on the ground, cursing, not happy with what God was doing in my life, even though externally people would have said, oh, things are great. Mm. Internally, something wasn't right. So I made the decision that night to get some help. Mm. Do you think there are a lot of leaders like that where, you know, everybody thinks everything's all rosy and, you know, they're just the bee's knees, but inside they're really conflicted? Yeah, I wish it wasn't the case, Phil, but- now that I work, I kind of pastor a lot of pastors nowadays and work with a lot of Christian leaders. The stories I hear are very similar. We've been trained and equipped oftentimes to really take care of external things like how to take care of a church staff or a congregation or how to preach sermons. These are all external things. But I don't know that we've had as much equipping and training in how to care for our souls. And so I think, unfortunately, it is a common story that I hear. Worship, conversation, prayer and teaching. This is Sunday Morning Together on Vision Christian Radio. And my guest today is uh, Jason Perkins, who spent many years as a camp director for Word of Life in the US, uh, also as a pastor at a church in Colorado. And as he was just explaining, got to a point where the well ran dry, so mm. to speak. You're doing all these things, growing things. The guy who could grow things is what you were known as, mm. uh, but wasn't really the case in your own internal life. Yeah. Just if we could unpack that a little more, what actually happened? Yeah, I think the, the turmoil that was going on inside of me, Phil, was somewhat impacted because of things happening externally in my life. There were some things with a growing organization that weren't scaling, maybe some conflict, uh, interpersonal relationships, that kind of stuff. Uh, We were leading a movement in the city of Colorado Springs called Cuz I Love You. COS is the abbreviation of of Colorado Springs. And so we called it Cuz I Love You. Had over 100 churches Mm -hmm. around Colorado Springs loving the city with no strings attached. Just some phenomenal things. But as you can imagine, you know, herding 100 pastors around one big idea is not not always the easiest thing to do. There was a bit of tension, you know, relationally and so on. So internally for me, I was finding myself quite frustrated and quite frankly, I was I was constantly living with what I call a low-grade anger, kind of like a low-grade fever. And the smallest little thing could just trigger, you know, a bit of rage or even, you know, outrage. So I I came to that moment, the snapping the glasses moment, as I like to refer to it on that driveway. And I, I reached out to get some help from a, a pastor friend of mine and um, when I called him, he put me in touch with a guy, a guy named Lance Witt, who's become a mentor and a friend. And he's the one that really introduced me, Phil, to this idea of of caring for my soul and began to share with me some things that could practically help me to tend to the garden of my inner life. Mm. Yeah. What kind of things? Yeah. So I mentioned before that my Sundays start with a lot of silence and solitude. You know, last hour we were talking about that. That actually is a, a practice now all throughout my day, not just in the morning, um, but I actually pause a few times throughout the day for something that some people might refer to as kind of fixed hour prayer or the daily office, some people refer to it as. But it's just moments to pause my work or what I'm doing externally 
and to just be present or mm. be in the presence of Jesus and aware of his presence. Um, so a lot of silence and solitude. I have implemented um, a weekly rhythm of Sabbath. Um, that started back in 2017 for us. So we've been doing that for about six years now. Um, so it's just a weekly 24-hour period where we do no paid or unpaid work. Um, I used to think I had a Sabbath that was where I'd run around you know, doing all the errands, going to the bank or mowing the lawn or all the things that I had to get done because mm. I didn't get paid for them. Um, but we actually pause from any paid and unpaid work. So there's a couple of things. I mean, I, I could unpack a lot of things, Phil, but there's a couple of specific things that have begun to help us really practice an awareness of his presence, not because of what we're doing, but just being with him. So you referred to the garden of your soul before yeah. and having to tend to that. How would you have described your garden? Was it overgrown with weeds or just bare? I would say that it was packed full of weeds. Um, I had no clue of this concept called limits. Um, I didn't know what they were. In fact, if somebody said, you know, you, can, you couldn't do something, I'd say, oh, well, that's something you got to break through as opposed to God's gift of limits in our life and embracing that gift of limits. And so my garden was overrun with weeds and far too many plants in the garden. I just had no margin whatsoever. Mm. So as you started to, you know, become aware for a start, that's where dealing with any issue starts. Yeah. And then doing some of these things, saying no to some things, saying yes to some other things. What started to happen? What was the journey like for you? It was like coming off of a drug, to be honest. Um, I, I would consider myself a productivity addict. Hmm. Um, I'm a recovering productivity addict, um, a, a recovering accomplishment addict. And so like anything else that's a focus, it was a really tough, I would say probably a tough six to 12 months coming off of um, just that high of always being producing something. Um, and so it was a tough time. Some people would refer to it as a dark night of the soul or you know my maybe hitting a wall there's some different uh, terms that I've begun to become aware of that I experienced but yeah it was not easy mm. not at all mm. but you got there how, yeah. how long did it take yeah I would say it was at least a journey of probably 24 12 to 24 months but I still feel like a novice in this soul care space I, and quite frankly feel I I hope I never stop feeling like a novice. I think that's the point is mm. that we are practicing his presence, abiding in him and depending on him for everything that we do. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm. What was it like for you, your wife and presumably kids at that point as well going through yeah. that journey? Yeah, big change for them. Um, I didn't force any of these things on them. I decided I was going to become you know, a, a practicing Sabbath person or a practicing silence and solitude type person uh, without imposing any of that on them. I didn't want them to think, oh, this is something we all have to do. But here's what I know they would say because they've said it to me. They said, I was a far better version of myself because of this. They, they never want the old Jason. <laughs> they always are grateful that I went through this journey because I'm a far better father, far better husband because I'm abiding in Jesus and not trying and striving to do it on my own, um, they're grateful for the journey. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. And we've just heard about how you went through this period in your life where really the well ran dry. You became aware of the fact that you'd been doing everything in your own steam mm. and, you, as you said, addicted to achieving things. Yeah. Went through this whole process of being 
more aware of having to tend to your own inner garden of your soul. Yeah. But I guess that great old saying, you know, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, you've kind of done that, haven't you? You're using that experience now to help other people. Yeah, it was it was towards the end of that experience, Phil, that I felt God clearly saying to me, Jason, I want you to help leaders reach their goals without losing their soul. Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world mm-hmm. and loses his soul? And I just felt this sense of, hey, you're going you're gonna to stop actually trying to reach your own goals, and you're going to come alongside other leaders and, and help them reach their goals, but without losing their soul. Mm. So what does it look like today? Yeah, so now it's a lot of um, coaching. It's a lot of just coming alongside of and journeying alongside, especially pastors and leaders of Christian organizations. Um, I do that through a number of different platforms. One of them is through what we call emotionally healthy leadership cohorts. Um, and I partner with an, a guy named Pete Scazzaro um, and some of the content that he has written in that space and coaching leaders. Um, it also looks like coming in and speaking uh, for th- things like this the, this morning, the Sunday show. And um, it also means going on the road and speaking in churches and communicating. have a podcast that I do as well around soul care. So I interview leaders in that space and how they've cared for their soul. So it's probably a lot of content and communicating, that kind of thing, and then coaching as well. Mm, sounds good. So if you want some more details about uh, about all of that, yeah. where, where do we go? Yeah, just unfortunately, jasonperkins.com was taken. So we went with Jason Perko Perkins.com. <laughs> so my nickname's in between there. So it's Jason Perko Perkins.com. All the information's on the website. Who's the other Jason Perkins? Yeah, Is I have no idea. Or something? I, <laughs> I don't know. I'll have he to check it out. He was the athlete that you, you didn't yeah, quite get to. Yeah, probably the athlete I never got to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perkins.com. That's very Australian as well. There you go. Keeps it right in the middle. It's been great hearing your story, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks for being uh, so curious. Sunday morning together. On Vision Christian Radio. We're about to get something good. The best five-minute sermon message uh, that you will hear today from my guest and co-host, Jason Perko Perkins from the Australian Irresistible Churches Network. And it's about looking after ourselves. I remember that old TV ad where the mother said, are you looking after yourself, son? Yeah, I remember that ad. Yeah, and he goes, yes, mum, I'm looking after myself. It's important, isn't it? Absolutely. We can't give what we don't possess. It's absolutely crucial for us to look after ourselves. So, you know, I want you to think about this morning as we take a dive into this uh, topic of soul care. I want us to just become aware of the fact that we live in an incredibly externally focused culture today in society, focused on external things all the time. We oftentimes are focused on what we do Um, In fact, that's the number one question I always get asked is, what do you do? Maybe you get asked that question as well. People oftentimes are focused on what they have. And unfortunately, I think more so than ever, we are focused on what other people think and say about us. Um, It drives us to do something. I've noticed kind of a formula. We tend to do more so that we can have more so that people might think more or say more about us. Um, And here's the crazy thing is we do more to have more so that even people we don't know or people that we don't even like sometimes might think more of us and say better things about us. It's a crazy cycle that we get ourselves into. And maybe you're listening today. I don't know how you stumbled across this show this morning on a Sunday morning, but maybe you're listening and you wouldn't consider yourself a religious person or a church person. Again, I don't know how you came across the show, but 
I want to let you in on a little secret that us Christian people do. We sometimes religiously complicate this formula. We wouldn't ever say this. We would never say, oh, you should do this. But here's what we sometimes do as followers of Jesus. We do more for God so that we can have a better relationship with God so that God might maybe think more of us. Again, we'd never say that's the formula. But sometimes we find ourselves in this trap of doing more for God because we think that'll create a better relationship with him and he might think more of us. I did that for so long, as I've shared already on the show this morning. Most of my life was focused on harvesting the forest of my external life and never really tending to the garden of my internal life. But as I mentioned earlier, the health of your internal life will eventually be revealed in your external life. There's a famous story from the life of Jesus in the first century that was recorded by one of his first followers, a guy named Luke. And uh, Luke was a doctor. He was a brilliant guy. And he took the time to give us details in this story that I absolutely love. Jesus and that small group of followers, his disciples, were doing ministry from village to village. And this particular story found in Luke chapter 10 Verse 38 begins with these words, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, in the first century, when rabbis would travel with their posse, they wouldn't rent out like the floor of a hotel and get all the rooms for the whole crew. They would just stay in people's home and they went into Martha's home and she literally was like, Mikasa, Sukasa, they had fridge rights, they could go in, grab whatever they wanted. And um, the story goes on. It says that she had a sister called Mary. And then notice the detail in the story in verse 39. It says, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Martha was a bit upset by what Mary was doing. It says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made for the meal and for that day. When I read that verse, I oftentimes put my name in there. I say, But Jason was distracted by all the work of the ministry over the years that had to be made. Martha was not just distracted, but she was pretty upset. She came to Jesus and says this in the story and asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? And then Martha doubles down. She goes on to tell Jesus, tell her to help me. I love Jesus, the rabbi's response. He says these words, Martha, Martha. I actually think Luke missed a few of the Marthas. I think that maybe Jesus said, Martha, 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 Martha. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. And then Jesus doubles down and says, or indeed, only one. And then listen to what Jesus says in this final part of the story. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. Notice Jesus didn't say Mary's chosen the only thing that's important. He just said both are important. What you're doing, Martha, is important, but Mary has chosen what is better. I'll never forget, after reading that story, going to the whiteboard in my office in Colorado, and I wrote these words on the whiteboard. I wrote being with Jesus, and then I used that old mathematical greater than sign. Being with Jesus is greater than doing for Jesus. Here's what I hope you take away today, that everything we do for Jesus, it must flow out of our being with him. Everything that we do for him must flow out of our being with him.
Father, I pray this morning that you would take this simple story from the life of Jesus and bury this truth deep into each person's heart that's listening to this this morning, that our doing for you must flow out of our being with you. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Sunday morning together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Phil's my name, and with me is Jason Perkins, or Perko is otherwise known. Is that what your wife calls you, by the way, Perko? No, I, I tell her that in the privacy of our own home, she can just call me Most Reverend Jason. Um, <laughs> and, just, and, just she says, and she says, why don't you get out of the house? <laughs> no, no, she just calls me Jace. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, actually, just speaking of your wife, you, yeah. you've talked a lot this morning about this whole idea of soul care yeah you know actually tending to our own garden inside and as you you know got to a point where you realized you needed to do something about the weeds in yours yeah and god has worked in your life what's how's that reflected in your marriage what, what would uh, what would your wife uh, Kristen, say yeah i would say unfortunately phil for much of our marriage um we've had a great relationship but i've been quite frankly the nicest selfish person you've ever met in the marriage. And so this tending to the garden of my inner life really revealed to me the need for me to become the biggest champion and cheerleader of my wife um, that's on the planet. I, I, I hadn't really paid attention to that. I've had a great relationship for 23 years now, great marriage, but um, that's the biggest change that's taken place. And so several years ago, I just began asking her a lot more questions um, about what she desired and what she dreamed of and what she longed for and so many things to try and dig out of her mm. what God has uniquely wired her to be and, and to do. And so that's led to her actually going and, and getting enrolled. I kind of dragged her across an enrollment line of a university, and she's now studying um, full-time to become a counselor. And, and she's been – I tell people all the time, she's been counseling for years. She's just now going to get a piece of paper so she can get she paid can do for it. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she's a phenomenal counselor, mate. And um, I just am – I'm so excited – honestly, for what God is doing in her life and what she's going to be, the gift that she's going to be to other people in, in the world. And so, yeah, I'd say the biggest thing that's changed is becoming a champion of my wife. Was that hard? Because it sounds to me like that's uh, dealing with a pride issue almost, where you've got to push that down and force yourself into this other space. Yeah. It's all about, I think it's all about helping others reach their goals without losing their soul, including my spouse. So instead of me being focused on all the accomplishments and goals and things that I feel like God wants me to do, that became something I looked to others and become curious about what is it that God's wired in them to do and become. And so that, yeah, it was a pride issue for sure. And I guess you have that sense that you're actually still achieving things, but via a different route. Absolutely. Achieving them by helping others to achieve. Oh, and the, the joy, the change, fill in the amount of joy that you get as a leader, seeing somebody else accomplish the thing that God has born in them, uh, it's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Sunday morning together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Jason, it's been great having, having you part of uh, our journey through this Sunday morning together. Yeah, likewise, Phil. Thanks for making it so easy and accessible for somebody like me who 
doesn't do much radio <laughs> to be a part of uh, this Sunday morning. I'm so thankful. Well, maybe we can twist your arm and get you on the radio a bit more. Yeah, uh, you who know, knows? Yeah. You've got a good voice for it. Oh, you know? thanks, mate. I've they say I've got a good face for it. I was going to say I don't have a face for, <laughs> a face for television, <laughs> that's for sure. Well, before we go today, I'm just wondering if you wouldn't mind leading us in a prayer for yeah. our nation. Could you yep. do that? I would love to do that. <sighs> Father, we um, just reminded this morning of the con- constant presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Thank you that when you left this world physically, that you said you would leave something even better than if you were here physically. It's hard for us to imagine something better than you being physically with us, but you said that your spirit and your presence would be with us. And so I just pray right now, God, for an awakening of an awareness of your presence all across our nation. Your presence is already here, but we are so distracted by the things of this world oftentimes that we're just not aware of it. And so I pray for our country, God, that we would be awakened to an awareness of your presence. And I pray, Lord, that you would allow us to um, experience that presence in a very tangible way. And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Mm. Amen. Well, it's been great to spend some time time with you uh, today, mate. And thank you so much once again for being part of uh, Sunday Morning Together. Uh, quick plug for the next couple of months for what you're up to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to be on the road uh, in May and June all across Australia and New Zealand with the Global Leadership Network. We're doing half-day events in major cities around Australia and also in Christchurch and Auckland and all the information. We're going to be talking about soul care and how we can tend to the garden of our inner lives. All the information about those events in a major city near you is at globalleadership.org.au. Good stuff. Thanks again. God bless you and all you do. Thanks, mate. Have a wonderful day. I'll catch you again next week as we spend another Sunday morning together. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.